Amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah, I love I love a clapping church. What you're saying is thank you. I agree with you. Yeah, I affirm what you're saying. The clapping is such a great, great thing for us to do. And it just signifies we're, we're with you here. We're with you. So thank you for that. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to take you back into prayer. I just feel led to do that. I want to pray for the Mideast situation and uh, just ask for God to, to just miraculously work in that part of the world. So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, uh, we come before you as the church called The Bridge, and we've all been living through the news clips, and we've all been living through the new realities that are playing out in Israel and Palestine. And uh, we see, um, we may not always understand, but we see, Lord, there's evil in the world, and we know that. And it... um, wreaks havoc in the lives of innocent people. And um, Father, as Israel responds, and as Palestine sorts some things out, and as people are going to be injured, and have already been injured, if not killed, uh, we just ask that you, by your spirit, would go into that land, and that you would be powerful, that you would be um, God. There are people in Palestine who refer to you and pray to you and, and, and they have a relationship with you in one form or another. And then there are people in Israel who pray to you and they worship you and so much seems to be done in the name of you. And God, we just look to you uh, as people who follow your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, a Palestinian Jew. Uh, He is our leader. He is our guide. He is the one who died for us. He is the one who shows us the way. He's the healing balm for all humanity. He is our peace. And Father, I just pray that somehow Jesus himself would be represented into the middle of that part of the world. And God, we just ask that you would... um, that you would be with each and every person in the midst of that conflict, be with leadership, be with those who are going to be affected, who have been affected, be with people who are grieving and mourning, be with people who are in shock and experiencing trauma to a level and a degree that is incomprehensible for we who are here. Lord, I just uh, pray for that part of the world, and I know that you are God, and I ask you to be your most powerful self in that part of the world, and may people acknowledge it, be affected by it, and come to a place of peace, which I know is what is your will. We pray it in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you. So we have been in this series, it's kind of an identification series. Back in the summertime, we did the Being You series, where we, we went through a whole series of messages with the acrostic shape, And we looked at your spiritual gifts, we looked at your heart, we looked at your abilities, we looked at your personality, and we looked at your experiences, and we we taught how God uses each one of those things to shape you. And and, and so we sort of self-identified through the grace of God uh, in that series. And 
since then, we have been in a new series called Being Us. So we went from being you to being us. And so what we're doing is self-identifying as the bridge. And we are, we are looking at who it is that God has called us to be. And it's unique. Every church is unique. So Unionville Alliance, just down the street, a wonderful church, they have a unique personality. Same thing with the Olive Branch, same thing with Cornerstone, same thing with um, Springvale out there in, in Stouffville. Every church has a unique personality and they have to go through a process of identification. It's part of what is leadership, to be honest with you. A good leader will help the church understand who they are collectively and then collectively how we should be responding and behaving in the world. And what does it mean to be a church of Jesus Christ called the bridge here at 5440 16th Avenue? What does it mean to be us? And so we've been defining that through our five Gs. And we've been a 4G church, we evolved to a 5G church just in the midst of this series as I was praying. I felt very impressed to place growth right in the middle of, you know, we gather, we group, as a result we grow, and then out of our growth we give, and then we go. And I'm going to talk to you today about what is go. So may God be with us. So God gives us gatherings in order to center us. God gives us groups in order to connect us. God gives us growth to cultivate us. And God gives us hearts to captivate us. Sorry, God gives us giving hearts to captivate us. And I shared with you that it's in your giving and it's in your investment. Last week I shared with you that is what your heart is drawn towards. Wherever you put your money, wherever you put your talents, wherever you put your time, your heart follows after that. I made the illustration, I said, if, if you wanna take an interest in, in Apple, invest in Apple and watch how you will, you will be drawn to Apple as to how they're doing uh, with their quarterly reports. You'll take an interest in what's going on in Apple if you're invested in Apple. Same thing with the church, if you're invested in the church, if you're invested in the kingdom of God, your heart will be drawn, it's magnetic, and you will be drawn into and, and be a part of and be a contributor, not just a receiver. And so it's very important in our maturity, in our growth, that we're givers, that we're givers. And so God gives us giving hearts to captivate others, and then God gives us the go mandate. This is where we are today. God gives us the go mandate. We used to have a saying in our life groups, go stands for get out. Literally meaning don't be so inward focused as a church, but rather get out in the world and invest your skills and abilities and even your money in such a way that we make the world a better place. But go comes to us from the command of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 28, verse 20, or sorry, verses 18 through 20, where he says, all authority has been given to me and now is shared with you. Now go, is what he says. And he's talking to his disciples and he says, I want you to go. Well, where does he want us to go? Well, into all the world is where he wants us to go. And he says, and as you go, this is literally when you look at the Greek, Jesus is saying to them, as you go along in life, 
In other words, as you leave this place and as you return to your homes and as you engage in your neighborhoods and as you go to work tomorrow and as you work through various commerce merchandisers and vendors throughout the week in order to supply your home or your workplace, he's saying, look, as you are in the world, as you have gone out into the world, as you go, represent me. Share me with others. In other words, give people the good news. Live the good news. Live the joy that you have. Live it. Speak it. Don't be afraid to engage people as to what is the joy of your own heart. And so this is what it means to go. And in order for you and I to fulfill our role as ambassadors, which we are referred to, Paul, in his writings to Corinthians, he says to them, look, you guys now have Jesus living in your heart. Now you will become ambassadors. You will become ambassadors of Jesus Christ and the very grace and the love and the joy and the peace that you are experiencing in Jesus, you will now represent that. That's what an ambassador does. An ambassador represents. An ambassador lives actually in a foreign land representing its homeland. And our homeland is heaven. And Paul is saying, you now, as citizens of heaven, are going to live out your life in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in the workplace, in the place of commerce. You're now ambassadors. You're representing your new homeland, which is heaven, here on earth. That's what an ambassador does. And so the Bible says that you and I are these ambassadors or these agents of God's agenda for humanity. That's what we're here for. So in order for us to fulfill that role as ambassadors or agents or God's love for humanity, there's four key relationships. We acknowledge four key relationships that are transformed because of our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Here at the bridge, we acknowledge four key relationships that are transformed when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So what are these four key relationships? Well, the first is our relationship with God. We used to be far from God, theologically. Theologically, in other words, the Bible would say that our sin is such in our human experience, our sin is such that we are far removed from God. God is holy. We are not. Something has to happen to bring us together. And the Bible says that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he broke the wall between sinful humanity and a holy God. And so Jesus paid the price for our sin and now has closed the gap and we can now have direct, intimate relationship with the God who created us. Even though he's holy and we still make mistakes, there's what's called applied grace in our lives every single day. We stand before God even if we've sinned. We stand before God as covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. So we are in good stead with God. And the second relationship is our relationship with ourself. 
Now, we don't often talk about this at the church because we, we, we sort of have this stoic approach to Christianity where we deny ourselves. And I, I think there's some value in that, and there is definitely some biblical teaching on the ideology of denying oneself. But one of the things that Jesus says is that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And what he's really saying there is he's saying you need to, as you are applying the grace of God to yourself, as you are assimilating it, as you are being transformed personally through your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are to share that same relationship with with others. And what he's saying is, is you must first Go through this transformative process where you work out authentically your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So Jesus dies on the cross. He remedies the situation between God and us. Jesus dies on the cross. He remedies the situation between ourselves and our erroneous ideas about ourselves. This is what God does. The, the, the God of this age, who is the devil, that's what he's referred to in the Bible, the God of this age has, has swept the land and works to deceive and perpetuates lies and has been involved in your life, even through your family unit, so as to create with you erroneous and unhelpful ideas about yourself. And we all have them. And insecurity is an evil. If I could, I'm using that term loosely. An insecurity is a misguided idea about yourself. And what God wants to do is he wants to come into your life through this new connection that's been created by Jesus and he wants to remedy, heal, restore, and redeem your own thinking regarding yourself. Your thoughts, the Bible says that our thoughts are brought to captivity to the person of Jesus, and while I might say to myself, you're such an idiot, Brian, that's not at all what Jesus himself says about me. Jesus would never, ever use such adjectives to describe me. He's merciful, he's gracious. He fills the gap when I am being less than. That's what Jesus does. So he transforms my understanding. He brings peace in the midst of my imperfections. He is perfect. So this is an important relationship, this second relationship that we have with ourselves. So first he fixes the relationship with God, then he fixes the relationship with self, and then third, he works on the relationship with Christ's body. Jesus is the head, we're the body as the church, and Jesus is saying, look, I am here to assist you and help you in being harmonious, being at peace with one another, and move in the same direction together. There's this phraseology in the New Testament where it says we're to be of one heart, one mind, and one spirit as a church as we go about doing the business of God. And so Jesus comes to us, like church factions are so anti-God. 
Church splits are so anti-God. Church, uh, how shall I say, hurts and pains and offenses where members of churches start stop talking to each other, not of God. Of the devil, yes, not of God. Of the devil, yes, not of God. Not of God. We are to be of one heart, one mind, and one spirit moving out into the world, revealing the remedy that Jesus brings even to the body of Christ and the family unit. Jesus causes us to be of one heart, one mind, and that becomes a witness as we go out into the world. And then finally, the the fourth relationship is Jesus Jesus says your connection to, to, to your connection to Jesus transforms the way in which you see the world. It transforms the way in which you relate in the world. And so we have these four relationships, the relationship with God, the relationship with self, the relationship with the body known as the church, and then our relationship with the world. And the Bible says through Jesus, we are transformed. In other words, we are thinking in whole new ways because of what Jesus is doing in and through us. So those four key relationships are of interest to us here at the bridge as we go. I'm interested through my work in the Markham Fire Department, which is a ghost strategy, I am interested in my neighbors that I walk the dog with, I am interested in my going out into the world Helping people reconnect with God. Helping people reconnect helpfully with themselves. Helping people connect with this church. And then helping people connect with the world with a whole new set of attitudes. And so that's my mission. That is your mission. That is why we're here. That is the calling that is upon you as a person and we as a church. And in Philippians chapter two, verses one through four, Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement, and what he's gonna say here, he's gonna say, look, if you have a relationship with Jesus, here's the outworking of that. This is literally what he's gonna say here. So he's gonna talk and characterize that relationship with Jesus. And as he characterizes the relationship that you have with Jesus, he's gonna say, there is an outworking. If you have this, then this also should be true. So here's what he says. He says, he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, which we have here at the bridge, if any tenderness and compassion, these are all wonderful currencies that we function in here at the bridge. He then says, if all of this is true, if you have these things, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I've often said that the more we are steeped in Jesus, 
we move. We move by measure from selfishness to selflessness. And this is, what, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, as you are steeped in the encouragement of Jesus, as you are actually you know, receiving his comfort, as you are gaining his peace, as you are affected by what is true about Jesus in your life, he's saying, so too, let that begin to emanate out into your personal relationships with others. In other words, be freed up. I have to be honest with you, I am at my most selfish when I'm hurting. I am at my most selfish when life doesn't seem to be working out the way I had thought that it should. And in my hurt and in my pain, and it's not abnormal, we we move inward. And we look for things on the outside to somehow help us in the midst of our pain. But it's as we see Jesus and as we apply Jesus and as this church brings Jesus to the world that is hurting, people move from self-absorption to being interested in the needs of others. And this is why we exist here at the church, to bring healing, to fulfill needs, so that people can be set free from their selfishness and actually move into selflessness that is the go lifestyle. So your connection with Christ brings it. It brings hope and courage, comfort and perfect love, God's eternal spirit shared amongst us, and it becomes loving care for others. And with all of this available to us, we're called upon by Paul to be single-minded in our devotion to God's agenda in other people's lives. So this is what it means to go, my friends. We, we show up with love in other people's lives, the very same love that we have experienced, and it transforms everything. I read recently the story of an army major who is, was part of the armed forces in Iraq. And he tells the story of what happened a few years ago over there to him and a group of soldiers. They had gone into this little village and they were giving away clothing. They were giving clothing out to, to Iraqi children and a lot of the children in their home country had sent their outgrown or used clothing, these soldiers' home country, they had sent their used clothing or even new clothing and these soldiers were distributing it to the kids. And the kids appreciated it, it was wonderful, but when the soldiers opened up this massive bag of stuffed toys, they began passing out these stuffed toys to the kids. And the kids absolutely flipped over having received these stuffed toys. They'd never seen anything like this. And they loved these stuffed toys. And the army major said, it was a way to express our love for them in the midst of a very difficult circumstance. It's hard to be a soldier in a foreign land where you're responsible for peace, where they see you as something other than that. But these guys went out of their way to build a bridge and to make a connection. So the next day, a convoy of security patrols left their base camp, and they were driving by some village where they had been distributing the stuff the day before. And as they were coming down the road, this convoy saw down in the distance, in the middle of the road, a figure. 
who was standing there and not moving. This created a sense of alarm for the convoy. So as they got closer, they noticed this figure was standing still and wouldn't move. They got out the binoculars, they looked out onto the road, and they saw in the middle of the road this little five-year-old girl who had been part of the group from the day before. She was standing in the middle of the road blocking the convoy's progress. She was standing there hugging her stuffed animal. They didn't know what to do. As they approached, she just wouldn't move. So they radioed command, and they said, what do we do? And they said, this could be a trap, it could be a sniper, it could be a roadside bomb, who knows? It could be something intended to hurt you, so go around her, but go very slowly, very carefully as you do. The convoy proceeded ever so carefully with trusted people not taking their eyes off of her. She just stood there in the middle of the road hugging her stuffed animal. As the convoy went around her, they looked and they realized why she was standing in the middle of the road. She was standing in front of a landmine that had been planted the night before on the road. She was trying to save, from, save these soldiers from harm. And she was expressing her love to them because they had first shown her love. The day before, a connection had been made. A connection that transformed the child. A connection that transformed the way soldiers were seen by the children. They became human. They became a part of something warm and considerate in their life. Having received, she was now imparted and sort of empowered to give. And having received, she was empowered to love. And having been loved, she was able to see the damage a landmine could do to those she now cares about. Landmines had become a way of life for these children. And they knew the damage that they could do. Damage she could no longer allow. Not now that she had a connection with these soldiers. Here at the bridge, we believe that this is one key connection of many. Our connection to Christ changes everything. Our connection to Christ changes everything. It changes our relationship with God, with self, with the church, and with the world. If I were to pour into your life abundance, material goods, and if I were to continue to do so, at what point do you and I begin to see that there is more than enough for us, and that there is more than enough for others? At what point do we move from an insecure, hoarding mentality, seeing only our own needs, to seeing and responding to the needs of others? I read this week a journalistic piece where society's sensitivities to evils were evaluated. And the question was asked, what betrays the moral bankruptcy of our nation more? Our apparent sexual immorality and promiscuity and laxity in traditional moral standards, or our preoccupation with wealth, with things. 
at the expense of a needy and a hurting world. Which of the two have had more of a contribution to the moral decay of the world in which we're living in? The sexual revolution or the materialistic selfishness of a capitalistic economy? I'm not against capitalism. But as Christians, we must relate to it in a totally different way. Ninety percent of those who were surveyed saw the preoccupation with wealth at the expense of the needy as the greatest evil in the land. The greater sin. By God's grace, we've received direction from God that steers us around the landmines of life. The explosive vaporizing effects of sin and selfishness. And each of us know people in our family, our neighborhoods, or at work, wherever, and, and, and we know people that we know they're, they're going down the road of life. We can see the landmines that they don't see yet. We can see the black holes that people are falling into. We have the resources to present different pathways. We have the experience to provide sight to those who are blind. We have the resources to turn the light on in dark places. We can see landmines of alienation from God, of bitterness, of fear, of insecurity, of disconnectedness, of family strife. From God's purpose, we see we see this stuff. And ultimately, isolation from God forever is one of the landmines of life. We see these landmines and we want to protect the world in which we love. If you're a Christian, God wants you to help your friends find the route, the pathway to him. The very one that he has shown you. The question I want to pose for all of us is how do we do that in this, the 21st century? How do we pull that off? So Jesus gives us a way. Jesus gives us a way. And he says this, let me tell you why you're here. He literally, this is an existential teaching from Jesus. He's telling them as to why they exist. And he says to them, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors in the earth. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors in the earth. Here's another way to put it. He says, you're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world. And God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill, Jesus says. And by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God, this generous Father who is in heaven. This is Jesus saying this. Jesus is saying, I want you, if you're my follower, I want you to reach out to other people, help set them free from the things that hold them back in this life by being salt and light. Well, what does it mean to be salt? Well, salt makes people thirsty. 
It spices things up. It's a preservative. It enhances flavor. So in effect, Jesus is saying this. You can see it on the screen behind me. Live the kind of life that will make people thirst for the truth about me. Live the kind of life that will spice things up by stimulating people to think about their values and their beliefs. This will retard the rate of moral decay in society, and that will show people that following me, Jesus says, will enhance, spice up their life. Now think about what light does. Light illuminates, it enlightens, it exposes, it guides the way. So Jesus, in effect, is saying live the kind of life that will illuminate my truth for people. It will shine my compassion into dark places of despair that will attract people towards me because ultimately, he said, I am the light of life. I am the one who turns the switch on for the darkness that humanity is experiencing. Each one of us possesses this life-giving potential. And Jesus is calling us to live in such a way that we are salt and we are light. There'll be sacrifice needed in order for us to do this. We'll need to become more selfless and less selfish. In Romans 12, it says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies so everything that's material is what it's actually meant. Give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be, in other words, let your bodies, let your physicality, let this physical realm that you live in be a holy sacrifice to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. This is what is acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, it says. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is Bible. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So what does this mean? Well, it might mean paying the cost of refusing to cut ethical corners. It may mean sacrificing your vacation time and going on a mission trip. It may mean taking the resources that you have that have been helping you and passing them on. It may mean paying a social price by speaking up in a group that is belittling your faith. It might mean seeing beyond yourself when it comes to the wonderful menu of activity and ministry that is afforded here at the bridge. It might mean that you have a possession and you feel like there's someone else in need of it because you have multiples, and you're willing to pare down to singles. It might mean that. It might mean hearing and responding to the Spirit's voice that is prompting you to share your gift, to share your blessing, to share your lifestyle, to share your house, to share your car, to share your money, to share your influence, to share whatever leverage and privilege God has given you. Jesus says, this faith that you have in me, at some point, it's gonna cost you something. At some point. I'm gonna ask you to lay something down 
for something that is far greater, just like I did. That's what Jesus says. So in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. In other words, you being willing to be salt and light actually builds a connection between others and the very God that created them. A lady by the name of Maggie, she joined a small group at her church. And I want to read to you what she wrote about the two Christians who led her group. Because when Jesus says, I want you to be salt and light, this is what he's talking about. She said, when I came to the church and when I came to the small group, I needed gentleness in a bad way. I needed to be able to ask questions. I needed to have my questions taken seriously. I needed to be treated with respect and I needed to be validated as a human being. But most of all, I needed to see people whose actions match what they say. She said, I'm not looking for perfect people, but I am looking for authentic people. People who are really trying. Integrity is the word that comes to mind, and I, I need to hear real people talk about real life, and I need to know if God is or can be a part of my real life. Does he care about the wounds that I have? Does he care that I need a place to live? Can I ever be a whole and healthy person again? I've asked questions like these of the two Christians who lead my group. I've not been laughed at. I have not been ignored or invalidated. I've not been pushed or pressured in any way. In fact, I don't understand the caring that I have received from them. I don't understand that they don't seem afraid of the questions that I have for them. Things like, just to have faith, just to pray more, Really, is that all I need? They don't seem to be afraid to tell who they really are. They just were so genuine with me. Then Maggie wrote a poem, and I'm gonna close with Maggie's poem. These are not my words. These are the words of a 24-year-old nurse by the name of Maggie. And this is what she says to you and me. Do you know do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Do you know? Do you understand that when you treat me with gentleness, it raises the question in my mind, maybe he's gentle too? Maybe he isn't someone who laughs when I get hurt. Do you know? Do you understand that when you listen to my questions and you don't laugh, I think maybe Jesus is interested in me? Do you know, do you understand that when I hear you talk honestly about arguments and conflict and scars and traumas from your past, that I think maybe I am actually a regular person and not as bad as I have been thinking? If you care, then I'm thinking maybe he cares. Then this flame of hope that burns inside me, and for a while I'm, I'm afraid to breathe because I'm afraid that the flame will go out. Do you know, 
Do you understand that your words are his words? That your face is his face to someone like me? Please, be who you say you are. Please, God, don't let this be another trick. Please, let it be real this time, please. Do you know? Do you understand that you and you and you and you and me, that we represent Jesus to a hurting and a needy world? Let's pray. God, this, this, this isn't just rhetoric. This isn't just religion. This is relationship. This is what you do in us and through us. You cause us to be flavorful. You cause us to be enlightening. You cause us to bring clarity to confusion. You cause us to, to bring joy where there is pain and suffering. This is what we're here for. We're not here for the cars. We're not here for the houses. We're not here for things. We're here for the hearts that are broken. The lives that have been fractured. We're here for people who can't get out of their own way because they've never had Jesus fill the empty spaces of their heart. And because they're hurt, they're hurting others. But we have the answer. God, by your spirit, show us the way. Help us to go out into all the world bring a life-changing connection between the world and the very God that created it. A life-changing connection between people who don't even like themselves. Help them to come to places of self-love and appreciation and healing. Help us in the connection related to the church to be of one heart, one mind, one spirit so that we might be an example to the very community that we live in. Help us to love on this world in such a way that the shed blood of Jesus Christ and all the righteousness that is related to it would flow over this world. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.